Welcome to this podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. It publishes original research and topical reviews on basic and clinical aspects of gastrointestinal sensation and motility, as well as brain-gut interactions. It is the official journal of the American Neurogastroenterology and Motility Society and the European Society of Neurogastroenterology and Motility. So welcome everyone to this month's podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. Uh, My name is Adam Farmer, I'm a gastroenterologist at the Wingate Institute in London and it's my great pleasure this month to welcome both Professor Robin Spiller and Dr Luca Marciani. Robin's a Professor of Gastroenterology at the Digestive Diseases Centre in Nottingham and his main interests are around the pathophysiology of infectious, post-infectious irritable bowel syndrome and more recently concerning the MRI assessment of colonic function. Luke is an Associate Professor in Gastrointestinal MRI, also at the Nottingham Digestive Diseases Centre, and his interests lie around the in-body imaging of foods, intestinal fluid fluid fluxes, the gastroclonic response to feeding, and the development of novel MRI tests to interrogate uh, gastrointestinal function. Robin and Luca, welcome uh, to today's podcast, and, and many congratulations on your paper entitled The Effect of Experimental Stress on the Small Bowel and Colon in Healthy Humans. So Robin, perhaps we could start with you. Uh, could you give me some background to the role of stress in irritable bowel syndrome? Uh, yes, well, uh, thanks for having us on the podcast. Um, uh, we all know from clinical experience that IBS patients are more anxious and they perceive their stressors as greater than normal. And they often report that stress aggravates symptoms, particularly diarrhea. Uh, But actually confirming that this is uh, objectively true has proved quite difficult. Uh, There there is work where people have recorded diaries of symptoms and stress, uh, and there is a weak link there. I guess more recently we've had some fairly dramatic demonstrations with uh, war veterans and post-traumatic stress uh, and uh, experience in Afghanistan and Vietnam shows that this is a precipitant of a uh, risk factor for developing IBS. Uh, and then we know that um, experimentally, with psychological stressors, you can change GI function, you can accelerate small bowel and colonic transit. Um, and then in the more extreme situations, we know that if people are critically ill, for example, gastric emptying is also altered. So there's plenty of evidence to suggest that stress does uh, interact with the GI tract. So, Luca, how really do you think MRI has uh, facilitated an increase in our knowledge of uh, GI motility, and and particularly perhaps um, more recently in papers uh, that you've published around in patients with functional GI disorders? Well, the... the fabulous um, aspect of MRI is there is non-invasive. So some of the old techniques used ionizing radiation or intubation, which uh, can be arduous for the patients and stressful themselves, and so they, 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 they can bias a bit to your measurements. While with, with MRI, one of the nice bit, uh, aspects of MRI is that the measurements are uh, easy and non-invasive, and the look that we can have with dynamic serial imaging into the gastrointestinal function is uh, spectacular these days. In the past, the resolution and the speed were not uh, so good, so uh, MRI gastrointestinal function lagged behind other districts of the body, like brain imaging. But now it's developed and it's starting providing novel insights into function and motility and transit. 
So, Robin, back to you. Really, today, what uh, have the animal uh, studies shown us concerning the role of stress in, in modulating uh, sensory motor function uh, within the GI tract? Well, as we alluded to already, um, uh, showing the, the effects of stress in humans is actually quite difficult, mainly because of ethical constraints. So we no longer consider it reasonable to subject people to uh, fearful stimuli or, or uh, physical damage. Um, but of course, um, uh, much clearer results have been obtained with animals, and we've got a number of models of psychological stress in animals including water avoidance, uh, maternal deprivation, and social confrontation, uh, all of which are non-injurious but do stress the animals. And you can show that colonic transit is accelerated, that gastric emptying is delayed, and, and critically for, for this study, um, the role of, of corticotrophic releasing factor uh, has been shown because if you block CRF, you can inhibit nearly all these effects. Uh, and you can reproduce them by giving an uh, exogenous CRF. So, Luca, then that brings us nicely to to what were the hypothesis and the and the aims of the study that you've uh, undertaken. So, so maybe I could take that out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we'd already done some studies with IBS patients uh, and MRI, and we showed that the bowel was constricted. Um, uh, and we knew from previous work by others uh, in Japan that IBS patients were hypersensitive to CRF. So really the idea was to see whether we could reproduce the abnormalities we had found already in IBS in healthy volunteers using the CRF. And we, we used two uh, stress models. The CRF was obviously um, uh, an injection, but we also wanted to use the ice-water hand immersion model because other people have used this, it does stress people, it puts up your blood pressure and pulse uh, and activates uh, the, um, uh, the hypothalamic pituitary axis. So we thought that it would be interesting to compare these two rather different stressors. And so what were your, then your key results um, uh, from your study? Okay, so the, uh, the, the main observation we made uh, was that we could indeed reproduce the abnormalities that we had previously reported in IBS patients. So um, the paper we published um, in 2010 described for the first time the spaghetti bowel, that is the constricted small bowel uh, with reduced volume. Uh, and perhaps I should mention that I regard this as one of the real strengths of MRI is that we can interrogate the whole small intestine. Our previous work generally only gave us information about small segments. I can remember doing lots of perfusion and manometry studies, and we were trying to infer from a study of 30 centimeters what's happening in the whole small bowel, which of course is 10 times uh, as large. So um, uh, we showed that the CRS constricted the small bowel. I stress also did, but not quite so clearly, uh, and there are probably good reasons why that is the case. Uh, and along with this constriction of the small bowel, uh, we observed an increase in the ascending colon volume. Um, and we, our interpretation of that is that uh, increasing the tone in the small bowel will make fluid go through the small bowel quicker and enter the colon. Now, the other really important finding, and we weren't expecting this, but it was a really interesting finding, and that is we could induce the sensation of bloating in healthy volunteers 
by giving CRF. So they felt that their guts were more distinct, despite the fact they were actually constricted. Uh, and I think this makes it clear that uh, this rather mysterious symptom that patients so often complain about is probably a reflection of increased tone rather than necessarily an increased volume of any particular organ. So what do you think then the, the clinical implications then are these findings, particularly re relating it back to, to the previous work that your group's published? Well, um, I think we should be a little careful in extrapolating to patients. Um, uh, but I think what it does suggest is that if you've got increased tone by whatever mechanism, and it might be CRF, but it could also be also an autonomic response, increased sympathetic tone perhaps, um, then we could expect faster transit through the small bowel, more fluid in the ascending colon, and this could contribute to the symptoms of diarrhea. And of course, we do see patients who get diarrhea on Monday morning when they're going to work, uh, but not on Saturday when they're relaxing. So that, that, might, that certainly might be a contributor. Uh, the other important thing, I think, is that if stress does increase tone, then it could explain the bloating sensation. Uh, and which I've always found uh, mystif mystifying, really, because the patients can get bloating after a meal, but they can also get up in the morning and then suddenly get it. And that has to be some sort of neurological response. And increased tone in the small bowel just might be that mechanism. Um, I've put a caveat on this because I do think we need to recognize that CRF1 antagonists have not really been shown to be effective in IBS. Um, uh, and so it may well be that there, well, it almost certainly is true that there's more than one mechanism for the symptoms in the patients. But, it, you know, it's a, we try, you have to simplify things to study them and get clear answers. And I think uh, in health volunteers, the CRF is quite a useful model. So, Luca, how do you foresee the, the, the technology of gastrointestinal MRI developing uh, in, in, in the future? It seems like a really exciting, exciting uh, technological advance and uh, one that seems very patient-friendly. Uh, but what do you see the developments for routine clinical practice uh, maybe in the next 10 to 20 years? It, 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 it is very exciting. For the study, we have used a couple of MRI imaging sequences, which are very common and familiar to all the clinicians, the, the MRCP, the magnetic resonance cholangiopancreatography, just to look at water, and some volume dual echo sequence that is used to look at liver, for example. But uh, one of the limitations in our study was that we haven't used the transit and the motility techniques, which we are now developing, and we think will be the future, absolutely. In the past, some of the techniques were only selected and limited for uh, some research laboratories, so they were not available to the clinical practice. But some of the, the MRI parameters which we have used in the study and the ones we would like to have used, like motility and transit, are actually now be able to be performed in a single short scanning session, say 10-15 minutes, and they can be applied to any scanner worldwide in any hospital. So translation is a real possibility and is one of the focuses of our work is to try and translate these exams into something that can be used by any clinician everywhere in the world. Uh, and if I could add to that, I mean, I, would, I, I do think that um, uh, the, the volume measurements um, uh, and the transit measurements are very valuable, but equally, I think one of the things that we're hoping to develop, and we are actively developing, is actually uh, image, cine imaging of, of the bowel looking at contractions. 
because um, I think this, this also could be very helpful, particularly in people with constipation, where you can't really set out, sort out what is, uh, what is the real underlying problem. Is it a behavioral problem? Is it a, really a problem with motility, which we kind of assume? To be able to measure it, I think, would be a big advance. So with, with that, I'd like to thank you both uh, for your excellent paper and assisting with this month's podcast. I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning in and I look forward to welcoming you again uh, next month on another instalment. Further information about this paper can be found on the journal website. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to welcoming you to next month's edition.